Hey everyone, I'm Dave Alley, and this is All Things Climbing. Luke and I are back this week with the second half of our conversation with Will Anglin and Ben Spaneth of Tension Climbing. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, don't sweat it. It's not essential to understanding today's conversation. However, you should still go back and check it out, because Will and Ben are two of the most dedicated and insightful people working in the climbing industry, and they've got a lot to say about learning and mastery in climbing. Their approach to climbing, as well as their work at Tension, is deeply concerned with the details of hard movement. So in this week's conversation, we're getting into the weeds of shaping holds, setting routes, and what they've learned from years of developing these two skills. Luke and I were really psyched to have them on the show, and I hope you enjoy hearing from them as much as we did. Take a listen. <laughs> last night and mentioning to somebody that we were going to come here today and talk to you guys, and this one dude was like, uh, yep. He was like, he was like, yo, have you seen in Will's Instagram where he got hit in the face with a hold? And I was like, no, I haven't. He's like, you gotta ask him about that. Oh man, that sucked. That was That's this past year was a mess for me. Won't do it again. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's this thing called a rib knife that's supposed to be in the table saw that keeps the wood from pinching back behind the blade, and it was early on, which really was only the beginning of last year. It was in January. Uh, and things were just getting switched around and stuff was like ru rushed or whatever and I didn't put the rib knife back in because like I, we had switched the saw up for something else and I was cutting like our biggest hold was like the campus pinch. This huge block of wood like four by three by three basically uh, and it pinched the blade and it hit me smack in the freaking face. Did we throw that block away? I kept it for a while. I think we threw it away. There was like, the part of my eyebrow was like still on it. Yeah, so from my perspective, <laughs> I was at the machine programming or running something and Will comes over with his hand, both hands over his like face, over his eyes, like call, call an ambulance. I think I hit my eye with this block and he's like bleeding down. So he's like, holy shit. So, we tell, I don't remember who else was there. Nick was there. Nick Milburn. And they call a name. Because I was super worried that it hit his eye. I and was like, worried it had hit my eye, too. That was like the initial, because it was like full of blood, so I couldn't see. And I was like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. Like, I, like immediately, I was like, well, well one eye is really going to suck if I have to, like, yeah. oh, man. Yeah. So eventually we, we, we sort of made it inside. And surprisingly, you had, like, stop the bleeding. Normally, like, head wounds like that, like, bleed a long time. By the time I saw it, which is only, like, a minute or so later, it was a deep cut. It it, it already stopped. Yeah. Uh, but finally, like, pulled his hands away and looked at it. Fortunately, it was, like, just over his eyebrow. Uh, well, and what had happened, it, it, uh, it hit me across the eye, like, across the face. So it broke my nose and, like, Busted open my right eyebrow. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and it like hit my thumb too on the way. So, like, my thumb was like all like swollen and my nose was swollen and broken and my face was like bleeding everywhere. And I made Ben take a photo of my face. It was like, I have to see that like my eye is okay. And so he took a photo of my face and that's the photo that's on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> And so I, I looked at it and, like, saw that my eye was okay and then just passed out. Yeah, and then you briefly passed out, which was terrifying. <laughs> like, from full standing just to... No, 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 just oh. I was sitting yeah. down, okay. and it's like, I'm going to pass out, and then he just laid down. I was like, oh, my gosh. I, I was so scared. It was, it was terrifying. And then 
it was only like a couple seconds. Yeah, it was just like an but, instant. It was it was like it was almost like a relief pass. I was like, oh, like the fight or flight. Like once I knew I was fine, I was just like, uh, like blah yeah, out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, within I don't know, maybe a minute, the ambulance was already there. Of that, well, uh, I tried to save money by not riding in the ambulance and yeah. having Gabe just like drive me over to the hospital. Yeah, I didn't want and to. They let, they I let, was too scared to drive. I was like, like, dude, just go with them. Bitches. They freaking charged me an absurd amount of money. I'm going to be like paying that off forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, kind of, that, that sucked. That was a very expensive four stitches. Uh, could have hit but you yeah, in the throat, though. It could, have, it could have just ended me, for sure. I'd never been hit in the face that hard. Yeah. Well, can't imagine <laughs> you know, how you would was, have. It was, a, it was absurd. <laughs> For a good eight months, I couldn't even use the table table saw. Like, and when it we was on, shield, like ten minutes after oh he my left, gosh. <laughs> my heart would go like PT. Like I, would, yeah, it was very stressful. Yeah. Now I'm fine. Um, when you talk to people about route setting, they oftentimes use the language that people use to talk about art and you know, sort of expression or movement or whatever. And I think there's a, um, it's easy to see why. I wonder if you guys feel similarly about hold shaping. Like, what when you guys think about or talk about your process, how how does that unfold in your mind? Do you think do you borrow from holds that you've encountered in the wild, or are you thinking, oh, I'm trying to engineer this like specific move? Or like, wow. that's something that I got quite into for a while, especially early on. Is how how are we going to make these shapes and make them cost effective? Like we said. Uh, and it kind of comes down to not outdoor holds or plastic holds, at least to me, is the the tools that we had and how we can combine them to make like simple ergonomic things that that we want to grab. Uh, I would I would say it's not art. I don't think it's art in any way. It's it's creative, um, but it's design. Mm-hmm. We're creating something for a very specific end user. Um, like ultimately, it's a tool. Yeah, I mean, art art is art is kind of for art's sake, you know. Like a painting doesn't wasn't designed for anyone. It was an expression from the painter to convey an idea potentially, or, or like you know, who knows? Like you go sure. to school for that kind of stuff, you know. But like for like I'm not trying to convey any sort of an emotion with you know, that shallow pinch over there. I mean, it's like, it's a, it's a very much a, 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 it's a designed tool for a very specific purpose, you know, like it's, it's definitely not, it's not a, it's, it's not an, an artistic pursuit. I think shaping, shaping plastic holds is, is closer to that, but even that is not art. It's still, it's designed because, it's going to be climbed on by a human being, we assume, like, you know, feet and hands, and we or think a certain orangutan. way about something, or an orangutan, or red pandas. Red panda, yeah, it. we have uh, <laughs> some of our red pandas in, in uh, Chattanooga are climbing on our, at the zoo, at the zoo are yeah. climbing on our <laughs> campus rungs. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, <awesome>. but, <laughs> That's a big market, um, sure. Yes. Yes, the market for red pandas is enormous. You have no idea. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like e- even that, like even that's not art. I think people like to the 
the longer the people who I talk to who have been setting for like a really long time and really know like like the two people I've learned probably the most from are like Ward Byram and Tonde Cotillo. And when you talk to those guys, it, they're not they don't romanticize it at all. They're mm-hmm. like, you know, we are we are designing a product um, and, and those are the metaphors that they use. If you talk to it's it's very easy for route setters, I think, when they first start to like kind of get into the romanticized notion of like what they're doing is art and it's like about them and like they're presenting something well it's like it has nothing to do with you like There's especially as a culture though, around there, you, right? there is but I think that's I think that is a uh, I think that's more of a symptom of, of route setting as a profession being so new that there are so many new people that that yeah. kind of idea because when you talk to the people who who like have been doing this forever and and are the best at it in the world they have no they're not kidding themselves you know they're like we know what we're doing like this is this is a design process we're doing this for a very specific purpose it's it's like the new the new people who've been you know you've been route setting for a couple of years and you know you're really tied to what it is that you're doing but yeah. i mean i could like you spend any any amount of time trying to create this like perfect creation this like thing and you're like oh this is my art this is my this is my thing and it's like and it's like gone. take it down yeah you're like like it, you can't you can't have to be a really good route setter and also to be a route setter that route sets for any appreciable amount of time you have to very quickly divorce yourself of that attitude because it's not productive it's not sustainable and I don't think it helps a person create their, their best work. Yeah, I can totally see that. I mean, I, one of the reasons I had been thinking about this recently is I, you certainly you see this, the setters themselves use that language and so forth. But I had had a couple conversations with people who are, you know, their, their role is either like a management of various climbing gyms and so forth. And they were complaining about how difficult it is just like the employee management of route setters because they're like you guys need to have this many of this grade this many of this grade this many and like by tomorrow and like these like guidelines and stuff they're like no man my art like blah 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 you know it's like (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's i i hear that too like that's that's a very common common gripe i think and and it's it's legit i think it's that's why I, I'm very, I feel very fortunate to have worked with the crews that I've worked with and the people that I've worked with because I haven't had to deal with any of that. Yeah, that's awesome. Kind of, kind of BS. Like everyone I've worked with has been, I feel like I've worked with some very, like very professional people. Like, um, and I, you know, that's just luck on my yeah, part. That's like awesome. I, it's been great. <laughs> like you get so wrapped into it and zeroed in on this one problem, and you're like, God, oh, this thing is like the Sistine Chapel of boulder problems. And then yeah. someone comes along, and they're like, boom, knee bar, like, yeah, you yeah. know. Oh <laughs> and you're like, damn it. I how said gr- that at all. How great am I <laughs> to have created this thing? And it's, yeah, and it's, and it's a mess. And, yeah, you can't, you can't be like that and be good. I mean, it, you, you got to make all this stuff, and then, you know, some dude's going to come up to you and be like, be like, that boulder sucks. 
like you and and like tell you all these things that are wrong with it and like and you're always dealing with that kind of person and that kind of I don't even want to call it feedback because it's not feedback it's not even criticism it's just them like their like word vomit about how that climb made them feel and what they feel like you should have done and you're like how many routes have you you set (laughs) and you're like they've not set a single route ever and they've been climbing for six months and you're like you just you have to be able to be like just let that stuff pass over you because it's like you don't you don't know like it's fine I imagine that's a lot easier to do if you don't have, like, your whole sense of self as an artist poured into this. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You, like, if, if you understand it really for what it is, it becomes a lot easier to hand, like, have that kind of thing thrown at you and also be able to take constructive, actual good feedback from people and implement it. If you're so wrapped up in your own self and what you feel like you're doing with your art or whatever you think that it is, it you become very hard to work with mm-hmm. and yeah you don't grow very well was there a point for you guys where it was sort of where like the the process of route setting was demystified or was there that sort of your entrance into it in the first place like where you kind of brought folded into it very specific moment where it was demystified for me it was like an on and off switch um tone and chris danielson did a setting clinic at earth treks in rockville and we all like were setting our first boulder problems and like Tony had come in from France and I'd heard all these amazing things about him and Chris Danielson and like all, all these people who I had really looked up to and I was like, I'm gonna set this banger. Like this is gonna be sick. And I set this boulder problem and it was sick. And Tony came over and like didn't even climb on it. He looked at it and was like, looks great, take it down. And, I, and, and like that hit me just like a bus. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah, take it down. And I was like, okay. And I took the boulder problem down. And, like, and, and I had set this thing that like, I was like, this is freaking sick. I climbed it. And I think like maybe one other person climbed it and I took it down. And Why then that. Why you take it down? Well, because we were doing, it was time to do something else. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, like, yeah, cool. You made this, like, whatever. Take it down. Moving on. Next thing. Like, yeah. you're a route setter. You're not a freaking, yeah. like, I don't, like, what did you think this was? Like, it's going to be cast like, and yeah, bronze and put in the National yeah, Archive. Yeah, exactly. Like, next, <laughs> next thing. Rock and roll. Like, new, new boulder problem. Make me something else. Like, well, like, and that, for me, it was, like, and ever since then, any time I've been in a position where I've been, like, mentoring or trying to, like, teach another route setter, I pull that same shit, like, immediately. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll have them set something. It'll be amazing. It'll be, like, dope. Take it down. Do, do another one. And I won't even climb it. And, and like, the look <laughs> on their face, like, I see myself in that look every <laughs> single time. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, take it down. <laughs> Well, like, it's a cold world. Totally. <laughs> they carry buckets of water up a thousand stairs exactly, and stuff. Exactly, with, yeah. like, with, like, knives on the insides of their elbows all Shaolin style. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, that, I, I had a very, it was very abrupt for me, and I don't know, anyway, route setting. <laughs> That's awesome. But in the, in the same sense, to kind of tie it back to what we do, like, dealing with criticism of your work is something that anyone who makes anything kind of has to deal with, and... You know, people have been like, oh, well, you just copied and made a wooden moon board. And I'm like, no, but sure, well, you know, whatever. Yeah. Think, like, I'm not going to have, like, clearly you already have made up your mind about how you feel 
about what we've done, and that's fine with me. Like, you know, we know what we've done, mm-hmm. and we're going to continue to do it. And, you know, it it is, it is what it is, and we're going to constantly continue improving it. And, you know, we want constructive feedback, and we want people to like it, and we want it to be useful, and we'll always be kind of pursuing that end goal. But um, there, are, there are always critics out there. And I think what I've learned in route setting with, like, how to take the good feedback and how to handle criticism and and just deal with putting yourself out there. I think all that has had a big impact in in everything that you know we do here. So, yeah, I can imagine for sure. It's a big part of them starting the business and just putting stuff out in the world that you made, being like, "I did this." It's here terrifying. Go. Yeah, <laughs> totally. For it sure. is. So the this last question that I have for you is in honor of climbing going into the Olympics in 2020. So you are given dictatorial control over the International Olympic Committee to bring back one Olympic sport that has been d- discontinued but was previously in the Olympics of these three. Ooh, good question. Nice. Solo synchronized swimming. No. <laughs> club swinging. With dancing, I think it's like these huge, heavy clubs. It's basically like juggling, but the clubs stay in your hand the whole time. You're basically swinging clubs around. No, it's like a dance. No, because it's from like 1904. Rhythmic gymnastics with like a heavy ass bowling pin. Two heavy ass bowling pins, and you're standing still, and you're just waving the clubs around. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of sounds awesome. <laughs> but let's hear the third one before okay. I Yeah, let's not. So that's number two. <laughs> third option, tug of war. Ooh, classic get team out of battle. Town. We got to see a video of club swinging before we make our decision I'm gonna, though. I think there's something very primal about tug of war and I I'm just going to cast I don't even as much, I want to watch this yeah, video. Don't, don't but, rush your decision. But come on, man. Tug of war. Oh my gosh, look at these things. <laughs> they look like bowling pins. Oh, wait, these are no. I, I want like I don't want exercises. I want full performance. <laughs> it looks like the most Neanderthal sport ever. I can already tell this is going to be my choice. <laughs> okay, I don't want to see this. Like, no, you don't, like that. I, I, I don't want this to come back. But I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> It looks like something so that, like, this a, is, it, a it hippie would take out of the Olympics. Yeah, it looks like something like a hippie would be doing at, like, Coachella. On okay, uh, Island. Yeah. I think this is entertaining, but I'm going to go with tug of war. Okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah, tug of war, that's, like, such a... Uh, it's clear Let's cut. talk about tug of war yeah. for a minute. <laughs> yeah. how many, how many Who wins? Duh. Time? I think it... I think, Are there multiple Are there one-on-one? Good question. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, either way, like... Whether it's whether it's one on one, two on two. I think it's got to be five on five. You need a significant like a, team component. It's like a, for tug it's of like war. A clan thing. Yeah. Like it's you like a very primal like. Yeah, maybe even ten. I want to see all the people fall. You know, like when they go and past the tipping point. There must yeah, there must be mud in the middle. <laughs> if there's not mud in the middle, it's not tug of war. Is that why it got taken out of the Olympics? They didn't have mud. I don't know. I'm really. I have have thought about this a lot and I can't come up with a single good reason to have struck it from the Olympics. And God, it sounds like, amazing. Tug of war is like as Olympic as like Greco-Roman wrestling. 
Like taught, like that is like it's like it's like running, right? What it's year like was it taken out? I don't think I ever saw it in the Olympics. I, oh, like way before even our parents were born. I'm gonna probably. be I'm gonna be straight with y'all right now. Maybe we should not put climbing in and put tug of war back in. I think I think if 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 we were being honest with ourselves, that that yeah, like we would just be like, you know what? Thank you, IOC. We really appreciate it. I know we've like been through a lot and we've been trying to figure this out. But have you seen this tug but of war? But tug of war, man. What's what were you thinking? Of the rope. I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> Which direction are the cords twisted? Does it twist one way and then twist the other? I guess it's the I same for each team. Well, if yeah, they'd have to be on. Or can you choose? Or do they have to be on opposite sides? Do you get to bring your own half of the rope? Is it like a whole left-handed <laughs> team and like versus a whole right-handed team? Guys, you have dictatorial control here. <laughs> you get to wear cleats. I think oh, footwear yeah, is going to be. We need to practice. We need to. We need some. We'll schedule. Yeah. Back to you. Okay. This is going to take about a month, but we will figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's only a matter of time until there's Ninja Warrior in the Olympics or something, right? It's, like that's coming. I, I actually, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're already talking. They're already in talks. Okay. Um, which. <sighs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Did the recorder pick up that sigh? Because I think, that's, I I think so. that's exactly how I feel about it. I think it's cool. I think people can be into whatever they're into. It totally doesn't bother me. As long as it's tug of war. But, yeah. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, I have no, like, I have my personal opinion. I don't need to project that on anyone. Like, they're more than welcome. I think it's dope. I'll watch it even. It's fine. But I think. Obstacle courses are for children. <laughs> That's all. Like I, I have, I have, I have a lot of friends who are like fucking ninja warriors. Who are like the ninja warriors, and they're like rad dudes, and I love them, and I love that they fucking crush ninja warrior, and I love that they're like in the industry and they're like doing the whole thing, and I'm all about it. Like, totally don't, don't take that as like like a super slam of ninja warrior. Totally, because it's dope. It's clearly difficult. It's hard. I couldn't do it. Way too much agility and athleticism that I don't possess, for sure. But that's just how I feel about it, for me, personally. I think that's fair. That's pretty, yeah, it's pretty like fair. it's no big deal. It's dope. It's cool. But, you know, that's just me. Oh, last question for you guys. Which of these two things is harder? Climbing 514, starting your own business. Climbing 514. Well, wait, a successful business or just like filing the paper? <laughs> <laughs> because it costs about 50. It's like 50 bucks. It's no big deal. You just file it and then that's, you don't that's do like it. the equivalent of finding a knee bar to hack the yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> we could start 10 companies like right now. You want to? Let's do it. Spit some names. Uh, Climbing Tug of War International. Yeah. Club, <laughs> club swinging. Club swinging LTD. <laughs> Extremely limited. <laughs> Extremely <laughs> limited. Extremely <laughs> <Super> limited. <laughs> limited. <laughs> oh, uh. man. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to catch next week's episode as soon as it's out. And if you like the show and you want to help us out, just find us on iTunes and give us a rating. Have an awesome week. So um, the first couple um, people we interviewed were Hazel and then Barbara Zongirl. 
the Austrian That's climber. Some badasses. Yeah. And then you're so talking to you too. Yeah. So now, why are you talking yeah, to us? Me going? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 